Good morning, everyone. It's really hard to believe that uh, summer's almost over, uh, especially with the temperatures outside. It's really difficult to think about uh, kids going back to school, uh, about the uh, fall season coming up, the holidays, all the things that we look forward to. But uh, as all things, uh, summer's also coming to an end, and so is our uh, time in the series A Summer in the Psalter. And um, just to remind everyone, next week we will be uh, going back into our series on uh, 1 Corinthians. It's hard to underestimate the role of the Psalms in the life of the church throughout its history and the comfort that they have provided to both Old and New Covenant believers as they deal with the trials and tribulations of life. This altar is a collection of uh, 150 very diverse songs and poems which we have reflected on 10 this summer. And as you recall, these 10 Psalms have captured expressions of our emotions to God. They've engaged our hearts. They've also highlighted our dependence on God, as well as our trust in Him through the good times, as well as the bad times when we enter into the midst of deep pain, depression, despair. In addition, these Psalms have reminded us that we're not alone. They've connected us with believers throughout the ages, and they've captured the universal experience of God's people across the span of time. And they've confirmed for us that God is with us in all aspects of our lives to include the very ordinary nature that we experience in our life. Most importantly, the Psalms keep our eyes looking forward they assure us that what we are experiencing now has an end, regardless of what life has dealt you, regardless of where you are in life. We know how the story ends, and thank goodness for God's saving grace. The Psalms give us something to look forward to. They are songs for God's people to sing until Jesus returns. They are songs of salvation. The Psalter holds out for the people of God that there is always a song for them to sing everywhere and in every situation, no matter what life throws at us. Pastor Tom began our review on the Psalter study with an introduction to Psalms and Psalm 2. In Psalm 46, we learn that our God is truly a mighty fortress and is the source of our refuge and our strength. In Psalm 37, we learn the importance of not fretting because of evildoers. Wow, is that one ever timely? The words of Psalm 51 have taught us a hymn for the repentant, showing us six aspects of true repentance. And in Psalm 88, we reflected on the ability of continuing to turn to God, to voice our anguish and to call for help even during the darkest of our trials, the darkest of the valleys that we're going through. Psalm 5 covered the longing for paths of righteousness as a model for God's people when they are assaulted by evildoers. And we learn to bless the Lord, O oh my soul, in Psalm 103, and discover the importance of celebrating the abundant goodness and love of the Lord for his people. The last Psalm we covered last week was Psalm 99, entitled, Holy is He, 
and found that the church is called to pursue understanding and a beholding of the infinite holiness of God. The infinite holiness of God. In these Psalms that we've studied, we've seen the divine action and attributes of God, His strength as our mighty fortress, His covering of all things in our lives, His desire for our repentance, His steadfastness and always being with us, and most importantly, His holiness. Most importantly, His holiness. With that in mind, I can't think of a more appropriate scripture than the 23rd Psalm to close out our summer series on the Psalter. If you would, please turn with me in your Bibles to the 23rd Psalm. I'll be reading from the King James Version um, because of the beauty and the majesty that's captured in this translation. And also, many of us learned this version as we were children and it's near and dear to our hearts. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 depicts how the Good Shepherd cares for us completely in every aspect of our daily lives. He watches over us, guides, and protects. The Shepherd preserves us physically, emotionally, and spiritually. In every verse, there is a promise or an action of God showing that there is nothing about our lives that He has neglected or failed to provide for us. His beloved sheep. Psalm 23 is also one of the best known and, and more loved passages in the scripture of the Old Testament. Charles Spurgeon referred to the 23rd Psalm as the pearl of the Psalms whose soft and pure radiance delights every eye and for good reason. Even though David wrote the 23rd Psalm over 3,000 years ago, it's just as applicable for believers today as it was for the original audience of the ancient Israelites. Often referred to as David's pastoral, we can picture King David in his later years reflecting back on how the shepherd led and guided him in the paths of righteousness, restored him after his moral failures, and provided for all his needs throughout his lifetime. And this is a theme that I want us to reflect on as we, as we go through this psalm today is the Lord's provision of all of our needs throughout our lifetime. As a shepherd during his youth, we can appreciate how David well knew the attributes of the shepherd 
as he cared for and protected his flock. David had lived that life as a young man. As a man after God's own heart, we can understand why David describes the Lord as our shepherd, tenderly caring for the sheep of his flock. Psalm 23 is a psalm of confidence and trust in the Lord's care. And it uses two images. The Lord as a shepherd who cares for his sheep in verses 1 through 4, and the Lord as a host who cares for his guest in verses 5 and 6. David opens the 23rd Psalm with perhaps the most well-known and well-loved words in the entire book of Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The temptation in ancient Israel was to speak only about God. But here David is boldly declaring that Yahweh is my shepherd with an emphasis on my. We often think of God as the shepherd of his people as a whole, but today as we discuss these verses, I want you to reflect on God's role as the shepherd in your life. What does that mean to you as a believer? David transitions quickly in verse 1 from my shepherd to an expression of absolute confidence in God. I shall not want. As the shepherd meets and supplies all the needs of his sheep, so God supplies all the needs of his people. And as we reflect back on David's life on what we read in Scripture, we can truly say that, that God was David's shepherd. But you'd be correct to ask, how does God supply the needs of his people as your shepherd king? What actions does Psalm 23 tell us that God accomplishes in our lives as our shepherd? And please follow along with me in your Bibles. We first see that in verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The green pastures and still waters have often been described by Bible scholars as peaceful places for rest and feeding. The combination of green pastures and still waters portray not only God's refreshing care for his own, but also the provision of the basic needs for every creature that they need to supply and survive. That is water, food, rest. I don't think any of us would disagree with that description. However, I want to share with you uh, something I read uh, that was written by Charles Spurgeon uh, in his uh, commentary on David at the turn of the century, uh, approximately about 1907. And I think it's some of the most uh, beautiful uh, words concerning this verse that I've ever encountered. Spurgeon wrote in his exposition of the 23rd Psalm that the green pastures were the scriptures of truth, always rich, always fresh, never exhausted. Sweet and full are the doctrines of the gospel, fit food for souls as tender grass is the natural nutriment for sheep. He also declared that the still waters were the influences and graces of the Holy Spirit working in the life of the believer. That bears repeating. The still waters were the influences and the graces of the Holy Spirit working in the life of the believer. In verse 3, 
We learn that the Lord restores our souls. He renews us so that we feel that our life in the presence of God is worth living. He restores and gives us the enjoyment of life as we also read in Psalm 19:7, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And in Ruth 14, 15, he shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. I didn't really appreciate that verse until I got older and now at 67 as things start to slow down and break. Uh, I'm very thankful for God's provision in that respect. Like David, we too will find refreshment in the guidance and provisions of God. When our soul grows sorrowful with troubles, he revives it. When it is sinful, he sanctifies it. And when it is weak, he strengthens it. Our shepherd also leads us to paths of righteousness for his namesake. As we see in Proverbs, we can take two possible paths, the straight path that leads to life and the crooked path that leads to death. God as our shepherd clearly leads his people to the straight path that leads to life. He functions as the shepherd of his people for the glory of his name. This is an important point, church, because sometimes this is easy to forget or overlook but he functions as the shepherd of his people for the glory of his name. Our faith in Christ has saved us from sin and leads us in the way of holiness. All of this is done out of pure and free grace for his name's sake. It is to honor our Lord, our shepherd king, that we should be a holy people walking the straight path. Brothers and sisters, we need to ask ourselves, are we walking the straight path? as God desires for us. Verse four is perhaps the best known verse in the entire book of Psalms, both by believers and non-believers alike. Uh, I found in school that even some of my atheist friends could quote this verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's revelation in this verse gives us assurance that he will be with us during our times of utmost distress as we travel through our darkest valleys to include the difficult time that we all will eventually face when we face death through the valley of the shadow of death. During our darkest times of trouble, we need not fear evil because God is with us. The rod and the staff symbolize Yahweh's presence, protection, and guidance. David rejoices that God is like a shepherd in his provision, guidance, and protection, so that he lacks nothing and he fears not. As followers of Christ, we have that same assurance. As followers of Christ, we have that same assurance. The second stanza, verses 5 and 6. We see shift the focus from God the shepherd to God the host. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. God as the host treats the psalmist as his guest. He prepares food for him. He anoints his head with refreshing oil to wipe away the dust and the grime. And he fills his cup to overflowing. Spurgeon observed, 
that despite the presence of the enemy, God prepares a table and the Christian sits down and eats as if everything were in perfect peace. Oh, the peace which Jehovah gives to his people, even in the midst of the most trying circumstances. I take great comfort in that because the day is we're bombarded with negative news, conspiracy theories, some true, some not, and all the, the negativity that surrounds our, our life in this fallen world. God has prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemy. Verse six highlights God's covenant attributes of goodness and mercy, picturing them as following the psalmist. Like David, we can take great comfort in God's assurance that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Reading the 23rd Psalm in light of the New Testament confirms the truth of verse 6. All who put their faith and trust in God and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior will live in His presence forever. Now that we spent a little bit of time this morning studying God's blessings for us as our shepherd and our host, I would like to invite you to ask yourself three questions that relate to your assurance that God is your shepherd. I've reflected on these questions and, and I'm, I've got to confess that I struggle in many of these areas and perhaps some of you do also. First question is, how is your dependence on God? How is your dependence on God? Have you accepted his leadership over your life? Are there issues in your life that you're struggling to turn over to God? Often in our wisdom, we feel like we can solve and manage all the problems ourselves. I'm particularly guilty of that. But if we are to call ourselves God's good shepherd, or if we're called God our good shepherd, are we not his sheep? We can't call God a shepherd if we're not his sheep. And if we are his sheep, are we not unwise like sheep? We must give up on the false notions that we can manage our own interests and accomplish our own intentions. Sheep are not only foolish, but they're very dependent creatures that cannot defend themselves or provide for their own needs. They have a natural tendency to wander off and get lost. As believers, I would submit, don't we do the same thing? As Isaiah said in uh, Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We have turned everyone to his own way. Ultimately, in our dangerous and fallen world, we're dependent on God as our shepherd to protect us against evil and as to sustain our every need. The second question I'd invite you to reflect on is are you continuing to experience the grace of God in your life? Are you continuing to experience the grace of God in your life? Are you continuing to strive 
in your process of sanctification and your battle against your sinful nature? Or do you have persistent sin in your life? This is not to imply that as Christians that we do not struggle with sin. Of course we do, we all do. Or that our sanctification will ever be complete while we're in our earthly bodies. It won't be. But we should always strive to be a holy people walking in the narrow path of righteousness. Thankfully, one of the hallmarks of God as our shepherd is that he restores us when we wander, when we stray, when we take our eyes off our loving shepherd. He comes to bring us back to the safety of his will. As soon as we confess our sins and receive forgiveness. We see this biblical truth clearly stated in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Another example of our loving shepherd's grace in our lives is how he restores our souls when we become weary with all the burdens of life. As we pray and we read his word, our spirits are lifted, our hearts are cheered, and we're encouraged to persevere and trust him. Our fear and anxiety are replaced with Christ's peace and joy. Church, I can't think of a better reason to be in the Word, to continue in the Word, to stay in the Word. The final question I'd invite you to consider is how confident are you that the Lord will provide? How confident are you that the Lord will provide? Do you have faith that the Lord as your shepherd will provide for your needs? Today's Christians living in very affluent Western societies, or at least in the United States and Western Europe, are bombarded with messages concerning the luxury lifestyles. This, to make matters worse, the so-called prosperity gospel is even preached from the pulpits in some churches, contributing to a confusing view of what the Lord as our shepherd will provide. However, David did not say, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want for anything I desire. It is the necessities of life, the real needs that David is referring to. Often there are many things that we wish for, such as a new car, boat, or a favorite football team to win. But we really don't need these things. They're fun, they're wonderful, they're nice, but we really don't need them. I was blessed to know both of my, my uh, grandmothers growing up. They'd raised families during the Great Depression, and like many Americans during that time frame, they usually struggled to put food on the table. To this day, I recall the expressions on their face as they tried to explain the differences between wants versus needs especially when I'd ramble on about how much I wanted a 1968 Camaro. Now I know many of you in this room are car people and young and old, there's a universal love for muscle cars during that time period. 
They're fun, they're great to drive, but they're certainly not a necessity. Well, my grandmothers were both believers, and they did their best to explain the biblical truth concerning how God provides for our needs, but not all that we desire. Now, by the way, the 1968 Camaro somehow ended being an old, high mileage 1964 Buick Sabre. It's the only car I could afford. But I'm sure it kept me from getting a lot of tickets when I was a kid. Now this is not to say, ladies and gentlemen, that there's anything wrong with wanting and working for the extra things in life. Only to say that there's no promise given by God that we shall have everything that we wish for. And as I was preparing this, this biblical truth really hit home to me because the latter stages of my career, I had really hoped that I would get a group command in the Air Force. And um, that's uh, about as good as it gets until you get to be a general officer. So I was pretty excited about the prospect. I didn't get a group command. And um, while I wasn't devastated, I was pretty disappointed. But you know what, looking back in the rearview mirror of time, I'm glad I didn't get that, first and foremost, it would have taken most of my time away from my family. And that's time I can never, never get back. I would have been convinced of my own wisdom, which now I'm thoroughly convinced I have little or none. And I would have probably strutted around like a, another pomping jay, um, senior officer, thinking that I had the world by the tail. So looking back, I'm very, very glad I did not get that. And also sometimes our things that we desire, God's timing obviously is different than ours. We're not meant to understand God's timing, but it is different. So God has not said that he would give us anything that we need, but that he will provide for our needs. As believers, whatever we really need will be provided by our shepherd king. If we ever think that the Lord is not providing what we truly need, the problem is not his faithfulness, but our perception of what our needs are. Folks, this is an important point. Bears repeating. If we ever think that the Lord is not providing what we need, the problem is not his faithfulness, but our perception of what our needs are. Our shepherd knows his flock and what is best for us. We can always trust him to provide for our true needs. When David wrote the 23rd Psalm, he did not understand how the Messiah one day would fulfill the role of our personal shepherd. But today, thanks to God, the Father's plan of redemption, we have Jesus Christ as our good shepherd. As we read the 23rd Psalm in the light of the New Testament, it would be correct for us to ask the question of how Jesus fulfills the role of our personal shepherd. So please turn with me to John 10, 11 through 15. In John 10, 11 through 15, Jesus Christ tells us that I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hard hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. 
He flees because he is a hard hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Church as a sheep, we are wholly owned by the Son of God who laid down his life for us, his sheep. Everything he endured during the passion on the cross was for us. As we also see in John 10, 17 through 18, Jesus chose to suffer and die for us. This was not imposed on him. He gave himself willingly. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Finally, in John 10, 27 through 30, we learn that my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus Christ is our good shepherd, guards us, and grants us eternal life. As a sheep, we know his voice, and we willingly follow him. As a sheep, no one will ever be able to take us away from him. As Christ's sheep, we will never perish, but will have eternal life in his presence. Preparing today's message on the 23rd Psalm has been a great blessing for me. In every verse, there's an action or a promise of God as our shepherd king, showing how much he cares for us and how much he loves us, his children, his sheep. Our shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness. He restores and he revives us. He guides us and is always with us. As members of his flock, we can always be confident of his care and his provision, along with his love and his constant presence, his constant presence. Are you one of Christ's sheep? If so, you can be confident of every promise that's made in Psalm 23. If anyone here today does not know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it's not too late to receive him by faith and come into his flock. It's no coincidence that you're here. If you're searching and if you have questions about accepting Christ as your Savior, please speak with Pastor Tom or an elder after the service or make arrangements. We'd love to speak with you. This is the most important decision you will make 
in your earthly life. And we would be honored to help you on your journey to faith in Christ. Praise be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you are our good shepherd and we are your sheep. You watch over every aspect of our daily lives. You lead, guide, and protect us. You preserve us physically, emotionally, and spiritually throughout all the days of our lives. Father, lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Give us the strength and courage to live our lives in a fallen world according to your word as revealed to us in scripture. Help us work for your glory as we share the gospel with those around us who do not know you. As we prepare to celebrate the Lord's Supper, help us to be thankful for our shepherd, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for us, the sheep of his pasture. It is in his precious name that we pray. Amen.